We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. everyone, you're listening to the Rotoviz Draft Series. Uh, I'm your host, Neil Dutton. You can find me on Twitter at ndutton13. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, uh, one of the writers at Rotoviz, Kyle Dvorak. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Tweetier. Kyle, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, it feels very fitting. I feel like I like you know we've crossed paths, uh, maybe number fire, definitely Rotoviz, definitely player profiler, and I always see you uh, like tight ends feels like your specialty outwardly looking like into you as a as an analyst, and of course we get you on the tight end show. Ironically though, I don't think it is going to be like we we're digging we're digging deep because this tight end class does feel much weaker. Uh, I like does like do you feel the same way, and how do you think that changes like how you view the position? Yeah, it, it's it's not a great class. I mean, but we thought 2017, for example, was going to be a great class because we had so many, fair, you know, so many prospects that we thought, you know, that, that went in the first round. We had, you know, David Njoku, OJ Howard. Um, I'm forgetting someone, but Evan, people like that. Evan Ingram was that class, right? Evan Ingram, yeah. I mean, he was good, but has been inconsistent since. OJ Howard was good, but was never in, was never fit, and now he's been healthy all season and he's done nothing. And David Njoku has been. In the doghouse. So just because going into it, these people don't, it doesn't appear to be top heavy in talent, doesn't mean we should just dismiss them straight away. It just means it's hard to talk or get excited about them two weeks ahead of the draft, obviously, as we are now. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. It's uh, One, it does feel like a position that 
is somewhat uh, harder to forecast. It's not just like like running backs, right? I feel relatively confident saying like I didn't love Josh Jacobs as a prospect, but I was like I don't know he's gonna get he's gonna get volume. But like more similarly with wide receivers, these guys one they're going to take time to develop, and they do have almost more developing to do than any other position. They're they're in charge of blocking like some of the best DNs. And then they also have to run these wide receiver routes. Like they are such an interesting combination of like athleticism and skills and just like physical prowess that uh, like I do think they are like one of the more interesting positions to talk about, even if we don't personally feel it's a strong class. And I think one of the things we'll be doing today is using a lot of the like just the awesome tools Rotoviz has at your disposal. But uh, to get access to them, you need your Rotoviz subscription. So to get that Rotoviz subscription. Right now, you can get 10% off. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage. That is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. That sub gives you unlimited access to all of our awesome NFL content and tools, especially with draft season right around the corner and then all the rookie drafts coming up. Like, there is no better time to get your sub. And, of course, that subscription supports the podcast. So be sure to get your 10% discount for an NFL pass at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. So I guess I want to start off with... um how how do you how do you forecast the tight end position? What metrics are you looking at? Are you still interested in like what scouts have to say? How much does draft capital weigh? Really tell me about your process. See, I, I refer back greatly to the work from one of our you know erstwhile colleagues at Rotoviz, uh, Mr. Kevin Cole, who wrote uh, a few years ago now. He wrote a what I consider to be the seminal work on the combine measurables that matter most. Uh, and he looked at the various positions, you know, running back, wide receiver, um, and tight end. And the first one, if this is, you know, the, the measurables that matter if we want tight ends to be productive fantasy producers. And the most important one, for, the first and most important one is speed. So anyone, uh, any tight end running a 4-7, 40 yard dash or quicker is going to, is, you know, it's pretty much going to be making some noise in fantasy. You know, if you've looked at all these people and all their drafts, you know, from all their combines and all the measurables, if they've ran a 40-yard dash that's 4-7 or quicker, then generally that's a good place to start. Uh, then you have uh, the bench press. Can they do more than 20 reps on the bench? And then from that, it's can they do they have a vertical jump of more than 34? Uh, and if you if you click yes for all those things, you're in the successful mode. So generally, you're looking for. I mean, I think those um, those measurables they look at. You know, obviously speed, uh, strength, and burst. Uh, and you'd have to say that that's probably you know in the modern NFL, the modern tight end. You know, you can't just be. You're not just the sixth offensive line. And we know that they obviously have to do more offensive line work than your running backs, your, uh, your quarterbacks. Obviously, they're doing more blocking than quarterbacks uh, than wide receivers. But, you know, you have to be, you know, it's, I, I like to think tight end, it, it's like, um, in, you know, I'm trying not to, you know, trying to get political. In World War II, the, the German Navy had, uh, had things called a pocket battleship. And what that was, was it was smaller than a battleship, but it was bigger than a heavy cruiser. And the idea was that it was bigger than anything faster, and it was faster than anything bigger. So, you know, it could outgun, you know, it could outgun the big ships, sorry, the little ships, but it could outrun the big ones. So it was supposed to be a commerce raider. It didn't work very well for the Germans, but that, uh, I digress, that, that's their problem. Um, so generally you want someone, you know, th- this is what you want. You want speed. That's the most important thing. Um, because, you know, these are going to be running the routes, you know, seam routes up the middle. You want them to be getting there quick. So generally, the, if, I'm not saying that if you don't run a 4740 yard, uh, I'm out on them. 
because you know that's arbitrary and that's not not what that's bad process. But if you're running, a, if you're a slow tight end in the modern NFL, you're probably not going to be producing much in fantasy because you're just going to get labelled as the red zone weapon. And you know tight ends are toxic dump at the best of times in fantasy. If you're trotting someone out hoping he catches a touchdown, you may as well, you, you, you know it, it's not good process. Yeah, I kind of fall in a very similar range with you. Like a lot of, I mean, really all of the tight ends that are like our premier tight ends are guys who were successful in college in some ways, but they weren't all really premier prospects in the sense of like how we think wide receivers. They aren't all like you think of like Amari Cooper as like breakout age dominator. It was just so clear he was going to smash. Like you look at guys like Zach Ertz, super late breakout age, very high college dominator, but it's one or the other. You didn't typically get both, but something that joins them all is a they all have some combination of athleticism, typically pretty high. Like like George Kittle is like a 90-something, like 98th, 99th percentile athlete. Travis Kelsey, above average athlete. And uh, like Zach Ertz, 72nd per player profile or 72nd percentile spark X score. And even Mark Andrews is like a middling athlete. He's very fast. Like these guys all have some form of athleticism, whether it be like a balanced athleticism or just raw speed. That's like, for me, outside of like draft capital, that's really the biggest factor. And you can even see it in like, like they can turn basketball players into tight ends because athleticism is just so important for this unique position they play. So uh, I guess with that being said, like, do you want to, let's get into the prospects. Well, if, if we must, if, if we must, I mean, the, we, the, the good people at Rotoviz, obviously Dave Caban and all his tools, his number, his number workings, he does the, uh, the Rotovis Scouting Index, which looks at, it takes from a variety of drafting services and, you know, compiles, um, the prospects and, you know, which ones are being, uh, selected to go high, which ones are selected to go low. And he aggregates them together to see who the, who the educated masses are. So not the, you know, not the idiots like me who are going up and doing mock drafts on, you know, <laughs> 12 people I've heard of. Uh, these, you know, actually going in, aggregating all these people that the experts, the people who know the game, apparently, you know, the people included, and see who they like. And the first name, you know, the, the not consensus number one, because that's not how this uh, system works, but using the services that we plugged into, Cole Kmet um, has been, you know, is the highest he's been in any of these um, services has been the tight end one, and the lowest has been the tight end two. Now, he's, it's as you say, he's a bit of a gamble because he has no college production to speak of. Um, he had, he played 21 games for Notre Dame. He had 60 receptions in 21 games, which is not great. Uh, it was like six, you know, he had 691 total yards in college and 515 of them came last year. So he was, um, you know, it's, it's a late-ish breakout. But you look at his measurables, um, he ran a 4-7. So there's that first, you know, that first benchmark. Uh, vertical jump, 37. Broad jump, 123. Decent shuttle time, but not great. It was below the 50th percentile. 744, three cone. His arm length and his hand size are pretty good. So it's one of those, if you're going to bank on, you know, if you don't need him to come in and be a producer straight away, then he's actually, you know, if you want to bank on the athleticism, I can see why Cole Komet is probably... I hope I'm saying his name right. I really am. I mean, it's it doesn't look like it could be anything else. You know, I don't know if it's K-Met or anything, but I digress. Um, it's just a problem that he's hard to project because his production isn't great. And if you look at, I say, you go to his combine measurables, uh, one of the tools that wrote of his, his sim score, there's not a lot there. You know, there's not a lot of players who've gone on to be successful in the NFL who've enjoyed 
inverted commas, similar college careers. I mean, his closest comp who's done anything that I can think of is AJ Darby. Um, he, he had, you know, 13% career market share, career receiving yard market share, 14% touchdown market share, uh, final receive, final season receiving yard market share was 22, 22%. Whereas you look down, AJ Darby was 12%, 17%, and then 16%. So athletically, you know, he's exciting, but you can't really hang your hat in any production. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way, and I think like his production is—it's not awful. It just doesn't—it's uh, it, fine. He has a—he has like an above-average college dominator, an above-average college breakout. His yards per reception was like slightly below average for a tight end at 35th percentile. Like he's—he's he's fine. He's—he's he's incredibly okay as a as a prospect. Athletically, he, he's actually pretty athletic, and like you said, he just doesn't like comp to anyone that pops to you. And so, like one of the things you can do that I've played around with a bit is add in draft capital to the, uh, it's the pro- prospect box score scout, which just aggregates all of the data we have on a prospect and tells you what other prospects have looked like them. And I gave him the 32nd pick. He's like the only tight end that seems to consistently sneak into people's mocks as a first round pick. And even then it seems like maybe 50, 50 or so. And I would say he's the only one I've seen with like, I'd say a real chance of getting into the first round. If you give him back end first round uh, capital, he's a pretty close comp to Kyle Rudolph. And I think that's kind of like how you project him in fantasy. He's like in college, he was good, not great. He's a good athlete, but unless he lands in a spot that really is like conducive for him popping off, he's, he's fine. And I probably think if he gets first round capital, he might get like overblown in terms of, in terms of rookie drafts. Where are you, I guess, before we move on to the next one, where would you take like, Say he does go in the first round. He's he's got a pretty solid profile. He's a talented athlete. Where would you take a guy like him in like your standard not uh, not tight end premium league? Like and like is that typically priced out? See, technically, I mean, let's say technically, I don't like taking rookie uh, rookie tight ends, especially in redraft, uh, because as you say, it's such a sharp learning curve. They've got to learn how to be. They've got to learn how to be linemen. They've got to learn how to be receivers, and they've got to be, you know, expected to be very good straight away. Especially if you're taking in the first round. I think with someone like him, who the production isn't there, then you know, you what? It's all very well for a team to gamble on his athleticism, but I think in redraft, for you to gamble on a rookie tight end with so poor, so, not poor, so little college production to hang a hat on, you can argue. I mean, we, we saw, you know, in a real life example. The Baltimore Ravens took Hayden Hurst in the first round, and then two rounds later took Mark Andrews. Straight away, I was like, I don't care about draft capital. One of these players I'm happy taking because he's been productive. The other one is a massive red flag for me because he's older than my dad. You know, you know, which you know is again is something I don't really like. I like you know the young tight ends. Um, I don't really like people who've you know been away, come back, had a career doing another sport, then came back. But Colcomet, he's just. It would have to be a landing spot where he's going in straight away and he's going to be the guy. And I don't think there's any teams who are going to do that because I think he's going to be seen as something of a project. Yeah, I just I think uh, like I think it sounds like we're in agreement that whether it be like I think in any format, just assuming he goes in the first round, uh, like I'll probably end up being priced out of him because there are prospects I significantly like more. I would bet that I get priced out of him personally in pretty much all of my drafts because there are like I said, there are guys with better production profiles. There are guys who are better athletes. He just he doesn't do anything that really pops to me. So uh, who do you want to who do you want to talk about next? Uh, the next one is again someone who you know he, he went to the senior bowl. Senior bowl. He impressed a few people. He may not have been too well known going into that. It's Adam Troutman. 
who went to... Now, I think this started a few years ago when the Bears took Adam Shaheen. Uh, he, went, he came out of Ashland. You have to refer to them as Tiny Ashland. You know, it's, you know, to, to, you know, just to patronize them and make them really feel good about themselves. So I think it's one of those Adam Troutman came out of Tiny Dayton. Um, and it's, you know, it's been, you know, ridiculously productive. You know, he's had, you know, in four years there, he had 238, 537, 604. And then last year he had 916 receiving yards. He's had 359 of 14 receiving touchdowns. Um, obviously it's the standard of competition. I mean, Dayton are not a power, you know, a powerhouse. They don't play at the top level. But you actually look, you know, in terms of his athletic profile, um, you know, it's 40-yard dash time was 4.8. So straight away we have a, you know, a roadblock there for me. But across the, you know, across the board, he had 65th percentile vertical jump, 75th percentile shuttle, and 99% three cone. So straight away you start to think, yeah, this guy's been productive and he's got, you know, he's got an attractive athletic profile there's one downside he's going to be 24 when the season starts and this comes back to what i was saying about hayden hurst that late breakout uh, blair andrews one of our colleagues here at rotoviz um, has done uh, great work looking at uh, the age of people in their rookie season and how likely they are to have fantasy relevant years and if you're 24 as a tight end and you're a rookie you're not going to have too many tight end one seasons because you're pretty much as a rookie almost in, in, he's supposed to be in your prime and you're still trying to learn the position. So it puts me off a bit, but he's someone who went the scouts before we had all this, you know, interruption and uh, the scouts have been able to look at him, talk to him, you know, put the hands on him as it were and feel him out. So that might count for something. And he could see himself get drafted quite high. Someone like, you know, similar to Dallas Goddard, you know, it was a small school again. He went to South Dakota and he's shown that I mean, he, he's an athletic freak. Uh, and again, was ridiculously productive. So he's shown someone that you know can come in from a small school and pick up the NFL game quite quickly. Yeah, don't you, little Dayton and little Ashland? Me, these are both schools from my home state. I drive by them on ways to bigger schools all the time. <laughs> on ways, on ways to go. To, if I go to Ohio State, I might pass a, a, an exit that I'd go to Ashland and see a much lesser prospect. Much like I don't know if I want to go to Cincinnati, if I want to go to schools out west. I have to drive by and throw garbage out the window at a school like Dayton. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. He does like he, his, his numbers are eye popping. 916 yards, uh, seven, 70 receptions, 14 touchdowns as a tight end. Like almost regardless of school, that is mightily impressive because you just don't see college tight ends put that those numbers up. But I, I kind of fall in line with you in that 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 uh, not even breakout age, but his rookie year age is massively concerning, especially when you look at a position that. It takes it takes years for these guys to adjust to the NFL. Just to the, I, it probably in my mind is like the physical rigor of playing the NFL tight end position, and especially for him going from a school like Dayton, which is not playing like they're not playing FBS talent. They're a, a, just a lesser. He's playing lesser competition. He's he's a man among boys, but now he's going to make a massive leap, not from playing like opponents like Alabama or Ohio State, from playing you know tiny schools to the NFL grind. He could be 25, 26 by the time he actually breaks out. And that would only be a two or three year breakup for a tight end. That's totally normal at the position. But for his age, that would mean you are getting like one year. And say you take him in dynasty, you're getting one year of prime athlete production from like he, that just doesn't, the Venn diagram of years he is a prime athlete to years after he's adjusted to the NFL rigor does not seem big to me. So for that reason, uh, like unless he is really surprising with the draft capital he gets, I, I, he's another guy who I like, but I'm not going to be really going out of my way to to acquire in dynasty leagues, and especially not in redraft. 
No, um, it's, it's as you say. I mean, you've got these, you know, as as friend Mark Kelly is fond of saying, you've got these players for life, uh, and you don't really want someone whose NFL life, as it were, is going to be two years. That's, I mean, it's he's not someone that I'd be looking at, you know, in this year in Dynasty. Maybe next year, you know, if if he develops, you know, and does find himself in the perfect situation. But again, redraft it, landing spot could be very, very important because if he if he lands somewhere, you know, with a decent uh, decent offense, with a good coach who knows how to utilize tight ends, then maybe you know he's someone who you know he could have streaming appeal, you know, as we go through the season. But the odds are against him being you know a force in fantasy moving forward. All right, before we get into our next prospect, I do want to let you guys hear a word from our sponsors. We will be right back with our next prospect. We are currently without the NBA, the NHL, or the MLB, and obviously it's not NFL season, so you might think that there is nothing to bet on, but in that case, you'd be dead wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on, or just let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. It's open 24 hours a day and it's all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Just visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online your online wagering experts. And we are back. So we have had Adam Troutman. We've had Cole Komet. Who is next? There are still there are still guys I, like we said it's a weak class, but there are still guys I am very interested in. Who is next for you? Well, next one, um, we may as well cover both of them. There's the, the t- you know, we, we're going to see in, you know, assuming we have an NFL season, there's going to be people who are going to draft the wrong D. Johnson from Houston in drafts this year. There are. There's going to be people who want David and get Duke and vice versa. And there may be a risk of that in rookie drafts this year because we have two H. Bryants as rookie tight ends. Uh, so we'll start with the first one, uh, Harrison Bryant. He's from Florida Atlantic or Florida International. I, if I've got that wrong, I apologize to him. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he'll be listening and I'm sure that will offend him greatly. Um, but again, again, um, a bit of a mixed bag. You know, he's had some production. He had a decent break. He had, a, you know, he was 19 when he broke out at Florida Atlantic, and as I apologise to him, um, and he has, you know, over the last three seasons, he's had 32, 45, 65 receptions. So he was quite, you know, productive on a, he was quite efficient on a small, uh, small sample size. And then last year he had 100 targets, caught 65 of them for a thousand yards, Florida Atlantic. Um, he commanded 19% of the uh, the targets, 65% catch rate, and he scored seven receiving touchdowns. So again, that's you know impressive. Mm, he had an ordinary, I think you can say, combine. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't fantastic. It was just fine. Uh, and again, decent 40-yard dash, uh, 4.73. So again, we've got that. You know, he's hit that 4.7 uh, benchmark. Shuttle 49th percentile. It's not fantastic. You look at some of his um, some of his comps though from um, his excuse me from his receiving numbers. Just some interest, interesting names here. You know, with similar productions in college. You've got Jordan Reed. Um, you've got Aaron Hernandez and whatever happened to him. Um, you've got you know other people who you know people thought they were going to be big and have enjoyed themselves to some extent. You've got Martellus Bennett a bit further down. So there's. There's something there for Harrison Bryant, and the one thing in his favour is he is younger than the likes of Adam Troutman. He's still going to be 22 when the season starts, which, again, is just slightly over the age 
that you can expect multiple PPR uh, top 12 seasons, but it's not a death knell for him. Um, and again, but again, it's the level of competition that people may be slightly worried about. Yeah, he's like he's kind of like uh like I think he's a good almost discount uh, Cole Komet. Like he's his he's athletically not as uh, he's athletically he's fine. He's an 18th percentile athlete, but he does have upper percentile. Uh, like above average, uh, slightly. He's got a 65th percentile 40 yard dash, and that was like uh, like Kevin Cole's uh, regression tree or his decision tree. Like that was the most important in terms of athleticism, speed, and although it didn't meet the 4.7 mark, he's still above average. So I think there is some some aspect of his athleticism that is at least redeeming. And his his college dominator and breakout age are fantastic, 91st and 80th percentile. Like there are a lot of redeeming factors to him. I don't think he is that much of a discount off of like a guy like Cole Komet, but I'm sure he is going to be both discounted in the NFL draft and discounted in fantasy drafts. He'd be a guy at least like if I, if my team needs a tight end in the next year or two, I have some aging guys like a Zach Ertz. He'd be a guy at least take a shot on depending on where he lands. Like I think he's certainly fine and he's at least uh, not going to cost you what a guy like Cole Komet would in, in, you know, your dynasty leagues. But um, I, I, I like Harrison Bryant because I like the production. Um, I say he's, he's He's not a red, he's not a disaster uh, from an athletic point of view, but I think Hunter Bryant, uh, who was at Washington, I think he's the one who could be the dark horse to be that you know that unicorn, the productive rookie tight end because he's a big he's a big wide receiver. He's not a tight end. He's six foot two. He's two hundred and forty eight pounds. That's not an NFL tight end by any stretch of the imagination. He's not going to be expected to do inline blocking. He's not going to be expected to go out and you know rough up J.J. Watt and the likes of that. But he is going to be coming, you know, he would expect, if he's going to come in, he's going to be used as a receiver. Um, he, again, he had a late breakout age. He waited till his third season, um, which was last year. He had 52 receptions, 825 yards, uh, three touchdowns. He'd only had two in his previous two years. He was only 20 last season, which means he'll be 21 when this season starts. And that is the sweet spot um, for rookie age, and going on and being fantasy relevant again, not a terrible athletic prospect, not fantastic. Four seven four forty yard dash. Uh, he did twenty three uh, reps on the bench, and he had uh, a seven oh eight three cone time. So all those spots are seventy third percentile or just below. He's not. He's not terrible. I just don't think he's. You know, if you want a prototypical tight end, he's not your boy. And again, he has some very very encouraging comps. At Sims, sorry. Again, there's that Hernandez chap. It's Jermichael Finley. If people, you know, of a certain vintage may remember was, you know, he was, you know, a modern tight end, probably a couple of years too early. Then you've got people like, you know, Jared Cook. There's a slight similarity to, it's not, you know, a put these two together and it's identical, but it is there. And also the same with Austin Hooper. So again, it's, he's been productive. Um, you know, it's not over a long period of time. He did wait till his third year to break out. But I think if we are looking for an Evan Ingram in this class, and I don't think Hunter, uh, I don't think Hunter Bryant's going to be taken in the first round, but I mean, as someone who's going to come in and produce as a rookie, I think he's the best bet to do it. Yeah, so I think that's something I kind of want to pick your brain a bit about. So the the box score scout just knows what it has seen in the NFL prior to today. There is no, it cannot prog- prognosticate the changing of positions. How do you feel about players? Like, uh, like Hunter Bryant, who, yeah, he doesn't really look like we think a typical tight end looks like. He just looks like a, a chubby receiver. But, like, you and I would never care if we got Evan Ingram numbers from a guy who doesn't look like Rob Gronkowski. How do you square that 
in your mind with like, obviously I want a guy who looks like Gronk. I want a Travis Kelsey, but how do you project a guy like Hunter Bryant uh, as, yeah, he has a great production profile. He just doesn't look the part, but if it's fantasy points, it's fantasy points. How do you try and find the Evan Ingrams and weed out the, um, I don't know who they're all bad. So I don't remember that. Yeah. I think it's one of those, it's, it's important to us. I mean, you cannot be Hunter Bryant at 6'2", 248, and run a 4'9". I think having that speed is one of those that if he's in the if he's on the field and he shows that he can be a willing blocker, it means that teams aren't just going to automatically say, "Oh, it's okay, they're passing." He's on the field. You don't want to be drafting the next Jimmy Graham. You know, I mean, Jimmy Graham obviously had. Uh, years early in his career where he was ridiculously productive but you know look what he is now you know you don't want to be drafting that now because teams know if Jimmy Graham is on the field they're going to be they're going to be passing because he's not he can't block Hunter Bryant you know he's going to be you know he's going to be in situations where I would expect if he's on the field more likely than not they're going to be passing and they may use him we'll see you know um if he you know how high a hog rate he can command it's just one of those it's any edge you can get from tight end I mean I'm one of these people that, I think it was two years ago, I started in a league where you could play Marlon Samuels, Marlon Samuels, Jalen Samuels at tight end when he was clearly playing as a running back. And obviously, in fantasy-wise, you know, it's like, yep, he's my tight end, that's great. Any advantage you can get in that position, I'll take. I mean, unless you're playing in a league where you are awarded point, fancy points because your tight end that you've selected is six foot six and weighs 250... And that's the only way you score points. That's a very, very narrow view. If it just says tight end and Hunter Bryant lines up as a tight end, that's the room he goes to for his meetings, like Evan Ingram, I'll take it. It's just, it's it's hard to bank on him if he falls into a situation that isn't perfect. Like if he goes to a team run by a quote-unquote football guy, you know, wants, to, wants him to stick his face in the fan, you know, every snap, in and out, and now, oh, now you can go and run a route. Well, you're not going to get the best out of him because he's going to be destroyed. So he's one of those that landing spot is important, but I think he could still be productive as a rookie. All right, that is uh, four. We can round out our top five, and then we will. Uh, we have actually this is a two part episode or two uh, two part series. All of the running back, wide receiver, and tight end. You'll get to break into two parts because even though uh, like you might not be drafting the tenth tight end in your redraft leagues, uh, these are guys that will come into play in some sense. Uh, like like especially at tight end, it seems like there's a lot of guys who can come out of nowhere because it takes a very specific combination of skills. So uh, we'll have two parts. Also, I think in the next part, I'd like to pick your brain and give some of my thoughts on the places we want uh, just generally any tight end to be landing. So who is the fifth tight end you have for us? The fifth one is the person who, you know, we've seen that if you run a very, very quick time at the NFL Scout and Goldmine, people are all of a sudden going to know your name. Like DK Metcalf last year, uh, John Ross a few years ago. Well, the tight end who did it this year, and I'm not even going to try and say his surname. I'll just say what he's being known as, and that's Albert O of Missouri. Um, he broke out age 19. Uh, he's had 29, 43, and 26 receptions. Missouri obviously not a successful program over the last few years, so he hasn't. I don't think he's played many bowl games. Um, he's never had more than 466 uh, receiving yards in a season. He did score 11 touchdowns in his age 19 season, so that was his first season in college. 11 touchdowns, and then he's had six and six since then. Now he didn't really take part in any of the any of the drills of the combine except one, and that was the 40 yard dash. 
and to call it a dash would be pretty accurate because uh, he ran a 4.49. Uh, he's 6'5", 258 pounds, and he ran a 4.49. That is freakish. Um, he's got 34.1 inch arms and he's got 10.3 hand size. The tools are there. I'd like to have seen, you know, how, you know the other skills, you know, the short on the cone and the broad jump. He's shown me he can be competent with a pretty decent target share. Uh, its target share in three years with uh, Mizzou was uh, 9.8, 13.1, and 12.8. Uh, and it'll be shown that, and, you know, we, he's quick. So straight away, that first nose on Kevin's uh, measurable tree is blown out the water. He'll be 22. So again, just slightly outside that age for Blair's, uh, in Blair's study. But he's an intriguing prospect because we just don't see tight, tight ends this size that fast. Yeah, I mean, he is a guy who I am like, I am hoping the NFL sort of recognizes what we have with him. The, the box score scout really seems to like him when you add in any reasonable, like a day, a day two draft capital, which I don't know if he's going to get, but it really likens him to some of these mega athletes. Uh, like Noah Fant is a guy who like, he hasn't dominated the NFL yet, but he did honestly have one of the more productive rookie seasons for a tight end in like the past decade. Uh, and then you look down the list, you've got guys like Mike Gusecki, who had a, a mini breakout last year, farther down Travis Kelsey, and when you give him like significant draft capital, he really does come up with guys like Travis Kelsey. Like that's who you are talking about when you give him when you give him credit for the NFL recognizing his greatness. If they don't, then yeah, he probably becomes a lesser prospect. But guys with his speed don't come around, and when they do, they most often look like a guy like Travis Kelsey, just because that combination of size speed is rare. On top of that, incredible production in terms of adjusting for his offense, because yeah, he peaked at 466 yards, uh, but he went to 306 the next season, which is not good, because they went from Drew Locke to... Uh, Kelly something? I don't remember. They, like, they literally lost a thousand yards, on uh, nearly a thousand yards of passing game by going from Drew Locke to the quarterback that threw for them last year. It was, uh, like, yeah, they were, yeah, Kelly Bryant. It was just a bad offense. And, uh, yeah, you can't expect that much from him. But looking at his production at a young age, like you said, 11 touchdowns as a 19 year old tight end seems absurd. So I love his production profile. Uh, what we know about his athleticism is that it's unreal for his size, like 99th percentile, uh, both 40 yard dash. And when you adjust it for his size, 6'6", 258, 99th percentile as well in speed score, just you don't get guys who look like him. And historically, they have done well. If he gets any sort of draft capital, I will be he will be my most owned tight end in all of my dynasty leagues where I actually have some incentive to take tight ends. Like I think he is the most underrated prospect right now, just because the rest of the prospects aren't that good. They all check some boxes. They don't check them all. The boxes we know that he has, uh, like we don't know all of his athletic me measurables, but the boxes that we do know, he seems to check them all. So like, where do you, uh, how much does draft capital factor and how much am I going to have to be disappointed when he becomes like a fourth or fifth round pick? If that is the case. Well, we've seen fourth or fifth round picks, you know, become viable fantasy start. I mean, George Kittle was a fifth round pick. Uh, obviously, he's a you know athletic freak, and he's just someone again com coming from you know it was it's easy in hindsight to excuse his production because of the offense he was playing on. You know, we've seen you know with Noah Fant and T.J. Hawkinson, they played the same offense. They cannibalized each other to an extent, but the skills were there. They just weren't used. Which you can argue for a tight end, you don't really you know want him taking a huge punishment in those three years in college where you know he's not earning a you know not earning a penny coming to the NFL and then he's a broken shell. You don't want that. So it's 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 hard to say because. I'd, 
it, because the athletic profile is incomplete, he's someone who could have done so much good for himself in you know at his pro day or meeting with teams, you know, to see get these numbers up. Because at the moment there's a risk. I'm not saying I'm doing this, but there's a risk that some people may just look at him as a one-trick pony. You know, he is the John Ross of tight ends. He's very quick, but doesn't matter because, yeah, he can run straight down the field, but he can't catch a ball when it's thrown to him. Again, I'm not saying that because we've seen he can be relatively productive, but without the solid athletic profile to back it up, he it's going to be a guessing game. And I think that is going to affect him in rookie drafts and especially in redraft. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I agree with that. We have... Um... I don't know. We have a, we have a bunch of more prospects, and I also, like I said, I want to talk about what um, where you want these guys to land. Because for me, that has been something that feels so important. Like you mentioned, I think this is something that we will talk about. Evan Ingram kind of landed in the perfect spot. Uh, it ended up being the perfect spot because of the injuries around him. They just needed bodies, and he was the perfect body to essentially play receiver. So I think there are some edges to be had there, just knowing where you guys want to fit. So that'll do it for part one, but stick tuned for part two. We have some of the deeper guys as well as the landing spots, so there's more to come. Uh, yeah, that's part one. There you go. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Road of His Draft Series. I'm Neil Dutton. You can find me on Twitter at ndutton13. Special thanks to my guest, Kyle Dvorak, who you can find at Kyle Tweets here. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Draft Series. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast and your favourite podcast app. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. Remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>